0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Sixers got smoked by the Nets on Thursday night, a blemish on what has otherwise been a near-perfect start to the James Harden era. Today's episode, Rich and I dive into the question of how much Thursday night's loss Was just an off night from the Sixers? How much was related to matchup problems with the Nets? And how much were larger issues that can be exploited in the playoffs? Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich?
2: Derek, I'm doing fine. the uh, The Sixers not doing fine. After uh, no, man, that like that sucked. That
1: really, really sucked. So we we were originally going to do a podcast earlier in the week. Had some technical difficulties. Then we didn't want to do the, the podcast right before the Nets game, so we let that one play out. And ooh, boy, did that change the tone of the podcast!
2: We were just waiting for disaster to strike. <laughs> no, my internet stopped working.
1: Megadelphians just wanted a loss before we podcast it. No, the Sixers are five and one in games that James Harden is suited up for them. Uh, Does it that, feel that way though. No, that well that, that one is a, a gonna be a pretty big topic of today's podcast. They got waxed by the Brooklyn Nets 129 to 100. I actually had to look up that score because quite frankly, I stopped paying attention early in the third quarter because the game was never in doubt. The Sixers were a train wreck on both sides of the court, and after yeah, I wrote two gushing articles on likes and dislikes. And I really had, I, the way I phrased it, I had like likes and mild imperfections. Because in the start of the James Harden era, that's the way it was. I was nitpicking for those dislikes. Uh, there was a lot to dislike about the Brooklyn Nets game last night. So I guess the way we'll start off with this. Let's take a step back. How much of what happened last night do you think is relegated solely to last night? how much would be limited in scope to a matchup with the Nets in the playoffs and how much are larger overarching concerns for what playoff caliber opponents will be able to do in the postseason?
2: It's a good question. And obviously we've done zero prep. So I'm thinking about it right now. Let's be, let's be lazy and just say 33%, 33%. 33%. Okay. Okay. I, I think when it comes to the Sixers, There were just two things that, that stood out. And I mean, we, we really cannot emphasize
1: that really does show how prep though, by the way, whenever somebody says like, ah, it's about a 50% chance, it means they really haven't thought about the, uh, about the question or uh, about the topic. So you picking three, three, three is yeah. Yep. Well, at
2: least I said
1: that No, it's a hundred percent my fault because I didn't even tell you that that was going to be the way we're going to go with the podcast beforehand. So blame it on me. People like us because we're honest about well, it a little. We'll get to it, the right? real answer as we sort of talk through it in real time. So
2: go. So, I mean, overall with this game, it just... Like, look, I understand the idea that it's just one regular season game, and it is. It's just one regular season game. And you know what? Even if they got waxed like that in the playoffs, I've seen... Sorry, I've seen the Sixers wax teams in the playoffs and still go on to lose series. Like, that. that happens. It's just... It's just crazy because I I wrote after the game, like after this honeymoon period where you described it through the prism of your likes and dislikes article, uh, the Sixers got nothing but the very best of James Harden for five games. He was, I looked it up. He was averaging 25 points on like 72% true shooting, like just as efficient as it comes. They were scoring 120 every night. I I didn't look it up that they were, I think they were the top offense in the league, It's just crazy that the first time they don't get the absolute best of James Harden, they get the absolute worst of James Harden. He was awful, man. Um, He
1: really, the the way I described it this morning, he looked like the version of James Harden that we're worried we're going to get halfway through his next contract. He could not get by anyone on the perimeter. When he couldn't do that, he just flailed his arms up and hoped for foul calls. He was missing all of his step back jumpers and his defense was his usual indifferent self. Uh, That was not the version of James Harden that you need if you're going to make a run. And look, again, we're going to make sure we mention that was only one game. He had played fantastic basketball up until that point, but that was not a good performance by any stretch
2: for sure. And and it was just bizarre because, look, Brooklyn is, I mean, it's a terrifying team come playoff time because of the other end of the floor, and we'll get to that in a minute. That is not a hard team. For one-on-one scorers to light up. You saw Tatum do it the other day in Boston. They start Kyrie Irving and Seth Curry. They play Patty Mills. Like, that is an easy team to find the right matchup against. And for Harden, who, I I think the the way we've described it, like, you sitting next to me at the games, it's like, he doesn't have the pop, like, in terms of finishing around the rim, like the 2017 Harden. But in the first five games, he was getting by dudes pretty easily against the team full of bad defenders. He wasn't getting by anybody. And I think the, the possession that summed it up for me end of the first quarter, he gets Goran Dragic on a switch. That's another one yeah. that that's target practice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's been easy for Hart in his whole career. It's been easy for Hart in his first five games. Not only can he not get by him, he kind of just runs into him and like flails for a foul. It wasn't a foul. Uh just a bad drive where he isn't able to get any separation shoots it before the, uh, and this is with basically the, the shot clock unplugged. It was, it was virtually even barfs up a terrible shot. Kyrie goes down, hits a three 17 point game on the other end at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was so bad and I, you know, it just, it's so wild to see him, after five games of making, it felt like the right decision pretty much every time with his passes. He was two steps ahead for five games. And last night he was two steps behind. He was throwing bad passes on the break. He was lazy with, with stuff. I mean, and look, it's, it's the type of game we have seen Harden have in the playoffs. It's why people have talked about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a reality check that like, man, as good as he is, he is capable of being for such a great player. He is capable of some shit yeah. come playoff time. And that's uh so that's a little bit concerning. So and I guess to answer your original question, I mean obviously I think like that's concerning if Harden is not first five games Harden or you know, something close to it. He doesn't have to shoot, uh he doesn't have to have a seventy two percent true shooting. But, you know, a guy who's leading the Sixers to efficient offense. That's a major problem because the other end of the floor is the one where I think I don't see the the good answer against a team yeah. like the Nets. And and so they they kind of go hand in hand. Like, I think Harden, I, I'm still willing to say, OK, that was a bad game. That's something I'm going to be looking for from now on. And he certainly needs to prove himself in big games. Like, I think that's very clear. But, but I can, I don't want to give him a complete pass because that really sucked in a big spot. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I can I can at least move on and say, OK, I, I think, you know, come Sunday against Orlando, I don't know if he's going to play both games of the back to back, but I, I imagine he'll be better. The other end of the floor, that is I mean, that's a Nets problem. And I think it's really just a problem against any good teams. It's just teams that have two really good perimeter scores. I have no idea what this team is going to do. against them
1: Yeah, uh, that's sort of how I would lay it out you know a lot of the Sixers offensive problems last night I think were pretty endemic to just last night I think you could contain them to what happened you know they were very 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 isolation heavy like the first 10 minutes of the game was basically one big Joel Embiid post up after one Joel Embiid post up and I mean quite frankly like he was getting the free throw line enough that he was at least keeping them in the game
2: but I thought he was gonna shoot 40 free throws I, honestly, I thought he was in too. the first quarter
1: um he he I, I had this lined up as as it was playing out and it was going to be way funnier if if the nets didn't blow the sixes out but he made more free throws in that for as many free throws in that first half as ben simmons did the entire uh seven game series against the hawks he was i mean 15 and 19 from the line in the first half but i thought by the end of that you know i think he played the first 11 or so minutes of that game by the eighth ninth tenth minutes i thought that style of play was really getting to him he looked like he was worn out quicker than normal and also by the end of that 11 minute stretch the Sixers had no offensive flow. Uh, there was no two man game uh, as great as a two man game between Harden and Embiid looked for those first five games they played together. There was nothing really going on in that game against the Nets. It was just Embiid post up after Embiid post up after Embiid post up. And then when Embiid went to the bench, it was James Harden ISO after James Harden ISO after James Harden ISO. You look up and Tobias Harris, I didn't even know he was playing. And when I say that, I usually blame Tobias Harris for that. In that first half, I don't really blame Tobias Harris because the only way he got the ball was offensive rebounds and a you know, ticking time bomb to the corner. Uh, they just did not play well offensively, and I think that was mostly contained to last night's performance. Like If they went up in a seven-game series, I think they would find mismatches to exploit, and I think they would have success uh, against that team.
2: They better. That team switches all the time with shitty defenders. Yeah. And- you know, we'd say hard and ISO, hard and ISO. Hard and ISO should work against should. that team. Yeah. But when it no, didn't, they definitely fell in. I track. agree with you. And Durant said that after the game in his interview that he thought, and now this could have been him just picking at Joel. They, uh, they had the great moment where they were talking shit to each other. They talked shit to each other after the Sixers won that game at the end of December as well. Uh, but he said that he thought, you know, all those free throws and all those post-ups, the Sixers weren't in the flow offensively. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But I, but I also think like, man, like Harden, you should be able to pick on whoever yeah, Maxi. You should be able to pick on whoever uh, Embiid. You should be able to get easy buckets against that team. And he, I mean, he look, he shot. I mean, he shot nineteen free throws and was barely trying for the for the end of the game. But uh, I, I agree with you though. I think that was mostly contained to one game. I, I am going to still believe. That if the Sixers play that team in a playoff series, they are going to light them up on the offensive end of the court. The other end one, though.
1: Yeah, I'm very concerned. Um, I'm concerned because quite frankly, they haven't looked all that good during the James Harden quote unquote era, the six games that they played together, especially with Embiid off the floor. Uh, you know, Embiid covers up a lot of uh faults on that team. But when he comes off the floor, they just they have really struggled. Uh and coming into the game, I think they still had a positive point differential, but only because their offense was unstoppable their defense was real bad without him being on the floor james harden's a real bad defender there's a lot of real bad defenders and against that team specifically the problem becomes worse because first of all there's no stopping kevin durant when he's in his zone. um like a lot of a lot of fans were wondering why matisse libel was starting off on kyrie irving and i think it's quite simply that matisse libel has a chance of affecting kyrie Irving's shot and he doesn't really have a chance of impacting kevin durant I-
2: yeah, I actually think Doc and Dan Burke got that one right. Like, yeah. I, I think Matisse got a block on Kyrie. I, Kyrie, yeah, some of his buckets behind. were in tr- were in transition. I actually think he's the type of player who's not like a crazy foul jar that I think Matisse has a chance to at least affect a little bit. Uh, so, I, yeah, I and it was I think it was one of his first times playing against him. Overall, he said it before the game. No, I think they got that one right. And and Durant like. As much as the Sixers suck last night, that guy when he's on, probably the best player in the world. It's it's really hard to guard him. So, what do you do? You put Tobias on him, and you you pray that he misses shots. So, and, and he was not missing too many shots last night, and he was passing great. But uh, I think they got it right. The problem is that you have to put Tobias Harris on him. Yeah. To
1: uh, start. So, Yeah. No, you. The problem is you have one good perimeter defender, and. Against that matchup, you know, they tried at the beginning of the game, they, their pick and roll coverage was a little bit soft. Kevin Durant started, I think, five for five. They tried to then extend that a little bit, uh, including one very notable DeAndre Jordan um, blitz on the pick and roll, which didn't work out well. And quite frankly, James Embiid Johnson,
2: the, the C's parted. Yeah.
1: Quite frankly, Joel Embiid struggled with that as well at times. And then you had Tyrese Maxey, who got picked on by Seth Curry, both on and off ball. Uh, and that is a, a matchup where Tyrese Maxey is a liability on defense pretty substantially. And not only was he struggling getting through screens, which he he always does, as much as I think Tyrese Maxey gets some credit, probably a little bit too much on the defensive end. way too, Because much. he does play with good effort and, and pretty good intensity. He just dies on screens. And he died on a couple screens in a big way, and Seth Curry took advantage of them last night. Uh, but also then he started biting on pump fakes and getting drawn in the air. And he just did not play a good, fundamentally sound defensive game on top of the fact that he has pretty big physical limitations that make it tough to succeed against. And when you have start off with Kyrie Irving being unguardable at times and Kevin Durant being unguardable pretty much all the time, and now you add in another liability, there's nowhere to really hide Tyrese Maxey. And that is a problem that's a little bit isolated to the Nets, yeah. But also, like, you've got a lot of defenders you have to worry about hiding. Whether that's Matisse Thibel, James Harden, George Yang, who's all of a sudden an incredibly important part of this team's offense. They're just, at, and quite frankly, at times, Danny Green. There just aren't that many players that you can hide them on. Like, it, it is a concern against these better teams. We're concerned a little bit a, bit, a little bit about it against the Heat. Well, the Heat game didn't really count because James Harden didn't play. Concerned no, about that it, one out. Yeah, you're concerned about a little bit against the Bulls. They end up playing very well that game, but this was another data point where it didn't go so well.
2: I thought Maxie getting around screens was about as bad as I've ever seen. I mean like not even physical screens. He kept going under on Curry yeah. off ball. What are you doing? Lock and trail, dude. What are you like? Part of the reason he was pump faking was he was like I mean, he was like five miles out of the picture when Curry was taking his pull up jumper.
1: And I swear, I mean I, really bad. Look. He's very slight in his frame, uh, and getting through screens is tough. Anyway, it almost seems like at times he's aiming for the middle of the guy setting the screen. Like he doesn't. has got a little lue loo- loo- will to him. <laughs> yeah, if you remember like he, just, back. he just runs right into it and dies. And it's like, dude, go around it. Like you're quick. You're quick as all get up. Go around it, and he just doesn't that, do it.
2: And by by the way, like he, I think he takes defensive coaching really well. I think he takes coaching in general really well. I think he wants to be good. Like you said, he he gives good effort. They they need to have like a practice where they say, Hey, we're gonna just set a bunch of screens on you. I, I, I don't like th- this is all we're working on today. You need yeah. to like chase around these and not be ten feet away from the guy after you set the screen. It was um I mean it was really bad. I mean you see Seth is, you know, that's the type of guy that he lit up for the Sixers all uh all season and Yeah, it's uh look look, Maxie I think he's an okay point guard defender. I think you could put him against some of the smaller guys. And frankly, like the other option for the Sixers would have been to put him on Kyrie Irving. I think he would have gotten lit up by him as well, obviously, but at least that guy is sort of like the size and frame yeah. that maybe he can kind of stay with. And then you put Matisse on, uh, on Durant, which I don't think he would have affected Durant anyway, because nobody affects Durant. But I guess my point is like, if you play Maxi up, at all. He uh, you know, I know you were at, at Sloan for this. I'm sure you saw the game. Isaac Okoro lit his ass up. Isaac Okoro is not a good offensive player, but you know what he is? He's pretty strong. That's that's about all he has going. And against Maxi, he was able to get great post, he was like great downhill driving position. He was able to get fouled. Ty Tyrese's defense is something that they're gonna have to work around. But it it, it like these two things go hand in hand. I think this offense is still elite, and Maxi was horrible offensively last night. He was uninvolved. He didn't do anything. Well, that's the problem. Like, you're going to have to outscore teams. You're going to have to put up 120, 130, games like that. And, you know, for Doc to not even find ways to get, like, I don't know if he was doing his son-in-law a favor after trading him or whatever, but how is Maxi not going at Seth Curry? I'm sure he could score on him whenever he wants. And I don't know. It, it was... A little bit of a bizarre game plan, I thought, from Doc. And you know what? As somebody who, uh, somebody who has made note of his crazy comments after the games of don't question us, whatever, he did slip in like I was bad last night. And uh, he was. And and I think, you know, at least for Doc, like I, one thing we have learned about him over his career in Philadelphia is that he does not treat regular season games like they are life and death. Um, so that's probably a good thing. But, yeah, I mean, like the uh, like the like blitzing and the trapping on Durant, yeah, which, again, out. I don't know what you do with Durant. It, th- that's part of the Nets issue. Like, I don't know what you do with Durant because guess what? Everybody got mad about the trapping and the blitzing. If they would have stayed in soft coverage, KD would have scored 45 points. Yeah. He would have kept making pull-up jumpers, like pull-up threes, pull-up twos. Those were layups for him. So I don't know exactly what the right answer is, but, man, the trapping looked really bad. Yeah. And not, not only was the like the initial trap ineffective and not physical, like doc said, their backline defense with Harden. And like, there were some possessions yeah. for Harden, Yang and Thibault, They were going every which direction. And the nets have guys that you can help off of too. And they, they, they got that answer wrong pretty much every single time that, that was bad. And, and so that is the concern with this team. Like their, their defensive efficiency for, I think heading into the game was actually pretty good overall, but I, I wasn't quite as impressed as those numbers indicated. And did things correct maybe a little too far in that Nets game? Sure. But, but I still think this
0: is a team you can get good shots against. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right Courtside seats to an NBA game and more. Head over to MicelobUltra slash courtside to learn more.
1: and even that starting lineup. Um, you know, they've only got one well, they've got two what you would classify as bad defenders. Um Tobias can at least compete a little bit, uh, and obviously Matisse and Joel are Matisse and Joel. So they, they can certainly make plays happen, but look, last night was just first of all, they were a combination of turning the ball over and getting bad shots which was leading to a lot of transition opportunities, which the, the Sixers did a really poor job of defending against. Then in the half court, I mean, you've got three players, two players specifically who there are real no good answers against. When Durant came out hot, they then started to become more aggressive and their rotations there and their decisions there were disastrous too. So a combination of you know bad offense, a tough matchup defensively, and bad execution, and it was the worst case scenario. It was as bad as it can get. So, yeah, it, and you do want to step back. Like, I don't want to make too much of it, but there are it, nets are weird. Like they could lose in the play in tournament and not even make the pl- proper playoffs.
2: Yeah, they really could.
1: But if they make it like they could be terrifying if those two guys are healthy and on the court, Um, they're such a strange team. And oh, by the way, they're missing their best defender, who was also an ultimate wild card. Um, But really, it's Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant. And the bad matchup that you have with Kyrie and and, and Curry uh, make them scary, but you should be able to pummel them on the other end, and that's why. Yeah, what we saw last it's, night was just crazy. It's Not really representative of how it will be in a series. I expect. I expect.
2: Yeah, and and look, a major part of this bad defense you mentioned it earlier is that James Harden is a bad defender. He's a real bad, and that's defender. Oak. One of my favorite favorite my favorite. I mean,
1: like frustrating favorite is just watching him try to close out. His closeouts are the worst, least effort. Like it's like he's checking something off of his to do list, and just there, I closed out. Um, it's real, real bad, real bad.
2: But that's the price you pay for an elite offensive yeah. player in his in his. Uh, Problem is, last night he wasn't elite. Case. In. No, he's really horrible. It um. So yeah, I I don't know. What did I, what did you uh what'd you make of the whole Ben circus?
1: I mean, first of all, I'm happy that Philadelphia isn't in the news. Uh, and, like, I don't ever, like, I don't like to, like, gatekeep how you should react as fans. Like, if you want to boo fine, I get that. I just didn't want something newsworthy to come out of, of last night. And for the most part. It didn't seem like it, it did. didn't seem like it did. A couple, couple people got thrown out late, but it was more just they got a little too boisterous yelling, which is.
2: Fine, which is which is funny because the one guy was yelling from near us. He was yelling, "Sit the f down!" Yeah, it wasn't. And I was right. kind of was looking. S- I was looking at Simmons, and I was like, well, you're sitting down. yeah." Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, don't really I thought know it, I thought it was funny around.
1: when they 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 cheered him uh, after he made the dunk in the layup. Hilarious! It was um, the highlight of the night. Those kind of like impromptu which- type of stuff, the organic uh, stuff. I thought because the whole the whole he, so he he's out there in warmups and he's not shooting. He's basically like an assistant coach passing to his teammates who are warming up. Uh, and there were a couple of, you know, boos that came down um, throughout that. But for the most part, it was not quite as eventful as I would have expected. And then for that cheer to break out sort of organically and the whole real stadium to do it in unison was pretty funny and probably the That was
2: insane. I I, I thought it was, the, it was the funniest thing I've seen because they were booing him. First off, when he comes out, just super loud boos. And then they were booing him intermittently as he was passing the ball to Patty Mills. But then he does that dunk not one person and nobody knew he was going to dunk it not one person booed and it was yeah. it was a dunk from the same exact spot that he passed the ball to Thibault and then later said that he thought he saw Gallo or something dunk yeah. here, uh ready to block him yeah uh so that that whole thing was funny yeah and i also thought it was uh you know look i, I think the, the sixers deserve to get clowned for that game yeah. like a, any meme you want to make or whatever i i did think like oh the memes of like Ben smiling on the bench it's like all right he he did nothing like he he sat on the bench all night like he's gonna have to play basketball at some point like, yeah and he's uh you know I, I, I'll be really interested to see what he looks like against this crowd in a playoff series like because I've got my skepticism on that one yeah for sure but for sure. uh yeah and, th- and that's what made last night I don't know it's weird right because we, we talked about this before the game You know, you saw the secondary ticket market. Some of the prices people were paying to watch the Sixers get destroyed. Insanity. That was the the weird thing about the game. In that, sure, Ben was on the bench. He's he's there. Maybe he's trying to file his grievance uh, with that or whatever. But he wasn't going to play. Like (laughs) he was going to walk out on the court. He's going to sit on the bench, which you know, you hope that you would just get an entertaining NBA basketball game after that, but he would not be involved in the theatrics. This was not LeBron going back to Cleveland. And yeah, I thought that that's what kind of made it a little weird. Like, even if it would have been an awesome game and Harden and Durant and Embiid and, and Kyrie were going back and forth at each other all night.
1: yeah, You don't I mean, pay $1,500 a ticket for an awesome game. Yeah, like, we were looking regular, at some of the, not the tickets. Game. Like, it, it, yeah. Granted, they were like center court-ish, but you're, we're talking like 25 rows up fifteen hundred dollars or something like that to watch a guy sit on the bench it was like you said really strange maybe i'm just cheap but i would not have spent fifteen hundred dollars for that game i'm also spoiled because we get to sit courtside pretty much for free every night um but yeah ticket prices were crazy
2: yeah i mean it was just you know it it, look i thought it had a chance to be an awesome game but it it turned out that the sixers got booed just as much as as ben yeah so that's uh that's over for him. And now he's got to play basketball, I guess, you know, whatever.
1: Moving on from there. What is sort of like, now that you have six games to watch these guys together, what is sort of your expectation here for the remainder of the season? What they have, I think 17 games left. Easy one against the magic and then the reigning MVP. Then another one against the Cavs, the Mavs or Raptors, the heat again. So some, still some pretty good games here coming up. Uh, And then you've got the Suns and the Bucks later in the month before things sort of cool down there towards the end.
2: So what are my expectations? Yeah. Like, do you,
1: do you you expect this? Like if there's 17 games left, like should we expect them to go 11 and six? Like, would you take the over on 11 and six? Like, is this that good of a team?
2: Well, I think that also depends too. Is there a situation in the last couple games where they say, screw it. We're not trying. Although you know, and it'll be interesting if they do that because I I tend to think they're going to be bunched up at the end. I'm looking at five thirty eight right now. They are projected to have fifty one wins, which is tied with the Bucks. Bucks have a really hard schedule on the way in, and it's one game ahead of the Celtics. That's kind of your two, three, four. I would imagine those three teams finish in uh in that way. It's man, it's pretty interesting because I I think if before we even get into what the Sixers do. I think you would rather have the 3 or the 4 seed yeah. at least from a first round matchup standpoint. Now, you know, could the could the Raptors get out of the play in? Could they I'm sure they'll probably host that game. But if they don't get out of it, if Brooklyn is the seventh seed, man, that is a much harder first round series than Chicago or Cleveland, I would say. So, I don't know, like it'll be interesting to see like if is there going to be some minor tanking going on? <laughs> For these teams, I, as well as Boston is playing and as good as a full strength Milwaukee is, I think they would probably agree with the Sixers and my uh, my general point there that you know rather probably play Chicago or Cleveland to uh, to start things off. But yeah, like do I think the Sixers, despite last night, will have like a twelve and five, eleven and six record? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think their offense is. I don't know what the hell happened last night, but their offense is just inevitable for the most part. Like, it's, you know, Harden, they have these slow starts every single game, and then Harden just gets going with finding the right matchup, and Embiid will have his his quarter where he's just completely dominant, and those two have a pretty good chemistry in the pick and roll, as we've talked about as well. I think that offense is going to carry them to a, a lot of success, frankly, um, and their schedule towards the end is actually pretty easy they could be playing some teams who are tanking very much so uh it, look for them I, i'm not really even concerned about the wins and losses though. down the stretch it's like figure out some things on the defensive end yeah Fig- try, try some stuff on offense like try and figure out ways to get maxi involved and, and the good thing is i think they view it that way too like the east yeah they might be able to get a favorable first matchup with chicago or cleveland but the east is going to be hard yeah. <laughs> like you' you're gonna at least have to play two really tough playoff series in the uh in the east you might have to play three depending on how uh how things shake out but I, I think they at least have said all the right things about that and and understand that they just need to get better as a team i i'm not really worried about uh you know final records or anything like that they could they could come out of the east as a four seed they could come out of the east as a two seed But they need to shape up the defense, and they need to make sure last night doesn't happen too much
3: again.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the basketball reference probabilities right now. They have them at 49.4 wins, which is the third best record in the East, but they give them the fifth best odds of winning the conference, Um, which I think probably, and and Sean Foreman, if you're listening to this, maybe you can let us know, but I think that probably doesn't fully factor in the changes to the Harden trade, yeah. But 49.4 I think would be on the low end of what I would expect them to win. Uh, I agree with you. I think they could very easily pull off 11 12 even 13 wins here over the final stretch of games. Uh their offense is that good? I do agree with you though that winning 13 games maybe shouldn't be the priority. Like if you go come away with thing. 10 no. wins and a little more knowledge of how you can be your
2: best, I uh, I think that's better. You're better off for it. So we will we'll see. And we will talk about it in in that way too. Like if you lose a game where you are working on some different defensive schemes and maybe a player of durant's caliber goes off and just outscores your offense which is potent by a little bit like if they did that against the nets last night it would not have been all gloom and doom you just can't get yeah fucking killed that 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 i'm sorry you need to at least be taking a task a little bit for that
1: no that was that was a bad one no uh, that was a, a real real bad one and not something like they could have Certainly in the realm of possibility that they lose that game. That is, again, a very good team. A very good, the, probably the best offensive player or one of the two best offensive players, although Jokic in there as well, in the world. Uh, and when he is on the court and playing at that level, like he could win any game. But to lose the way that they did was very discouraging. It was it was very tough to watch. And I, I sort of didn't even really write about it too much today because I kind of want to go back and rewatch it and get a day or two removed to sort of like answer the question that I asked to start this podcast, which is what was limited to last night, what was limited to this matchup and what's a larger scale concern, because I think there's a little bit of all three in there and we will get a chance to, uh, to try to figure that out here over the final couple of weeks. Um, this is a team with a couple of pretty big holes. Still don't know what to do with the backup center spot. Still don't know what to do with the, we'll call it the Furcon, Cork, shake, Milton rolls. Um, really outside of George and Yang and Danny green who who wasn't available. Uh, last night. Um, but outside of those two, you really don't have that much in the way of reliable bench players. They've got some questions to answer for sure. For sure.
2: they're gonna need I'm gonna call it eight and a half. Brett, you say this. They're gonna need eight and a half players come playoff time. The problem is they're only at seven and, and you're you're looking for the one and a half from like four or five guys. Yeah. And and the backup center is like look, Harden was the biggest issue in last night's game and the defense
1: Uh DeAndre Jordan is not the answer. No, the problem is you've got about three quarters uh and you can't combine that into a dollar in any real way. DeAndre Jordan is just,
2: look, I mean, he seems like, seems like a good guy. Great
1: guy. He... Great. We're going to do the Tobias thing where every time we talk about him, Oh man, he's yeah. such a great guy in the locker room. Yeah.
2: But he's not an answer to me. Come playoff time. I think he could be fouled offensively. He does not, strike me as the DeAndre of years ago who can just, I mean, was like a really valuable offensive player because if you threw anything within 10 yards of the rim, he was going to dunk it. I don't really see that anymore. And then the defensive limitations are real. Like look, KD is uniquely qualified to make him look bad in space, but look bad in space. He did. And, uh, so I don't think they really have an answer at the backup center spot. Like Like you said, it was, um, You know, Korkmaz got back into the rotation last night, but Doc took him out. Like he finally said, enough of this. Like you need to start making shots. You need to start playing better. So Isaiah Joe finally got a chance too. Uh, Yeah, they're they're deep. I, I do think like a lot of people fought back on. Well, their bench is better than it was a couple of years ago with the DeAndre Jordan. I I don't really see that. Like I think the bench can be better. These guys have all shown probably more than a lot of bench guys when they are playing well. But but to me like there's no consistency from this group outside of George and Danny who I think you can trust in a playoff series but also still have the defensive limitations we're talking about. So look, that that's going to be an issue. Uh they still have James Harden, they still have Joel Embiid, so that that can solve a lot of issues. Uh yeah, it's uh but th- those are the type of things they need to figure out over the over the next couple of weeks and I'm to, to bring it back to what we were saying, I'm more concerned about how they handle those issues. If you see some progress there, whatever their final record is, like if they're the four seed, that's, you know, if, if they accomplish some other stuff, I think it could feel okay. Going into the playoffs.
1: Yep. Nope. I think this is still a very good team who, you know, all these conversations we're having about, Oh my God, how the heck do you stop Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or throw that into any team with sort of like two, two or three perimeter scorers. Every other team will be having that conversation about the Sixers. That is the one aspect of last night's game where just that wasn't who they are. Uh, And I hate using that phrase because it can be overused at times. But we didn't really see the Nets have to really worry about matching up with the Sixers because the Sixers took themselves out of the game. And that won't happen very much. That will not happen very much. (sighs) All right. I think that is probably about all I have. Like,
2: it's just. I don't want to keep going. I mean, they were really bad, but. In two weeks, I think we will look back on this and say they were still really bad, but it was one data point. Yeah.
1: Offensively, I 100% agree with that. Um, The defensive concerns I do have.
2: With the two days off, it it almost hurts them, though, because you almost wish they had a back-to-back and they scored 130 points against the Magic Big. Okay, that's what they generally look like. and Yes, that was an absolute disaster, but... Yeah. Just one game.
1: And maybe maybe that, maybe that that's a positive takeaway. They have one game in five days. Maybe they'll, they can get some rest, and this will be the only real frustrating time we have for a while. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, overall, though, I was very impressed with the way they played in their first five games with James Harden. Yes. Would have loved to have spent more of this podcast talking about that, but then they had to play <laughs> last night. Just one game. Uh, defensive concerns, real offensive concerns. We'll see.
2: I know the Nets were a better team than a lot of the the teams they have played, although they, they did play Cleveland. They played Minnesota, who is playing a little bit better. Chicago, uh, even though they're without Sh- players. Yeah. Chicago at least had their two big scorers. And Tobias did a nice job defensively on DeRozan in that game. If they can figure out a way to play five good games and one complete stinker, then like,
1: that's the thing. These stinkers are just like, like they're real bad. <laughs> like like well, yeah. that Dude, I, the and Boston again,
2: game too. Boston I know they didn't have Harden.
1: Right. But, oh, boy.
2: Those are two really, uh, they're hard to get out of your head losses in the last month, which is funny because they've also had good wins. Like, they lost to Boston, but then they beat Milwaukee in the next game without Harden. I I don't know. I I don't know what to make of this team. But I think it it does go to show, like, this is a very high ceiling team. But the floor is a little lower than you might think, especially with Harden's capability of uh, stinking up the joint, as he did in last night's game. Yeah.
1: All right. I think that's about it. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. See you